Hello, I'm Kevin Richard. Well, this week, our candidate interviews continue with Ed Humphreys, a Republican from Eagle, who is a candidate for governor. It's his first time running for office, and I had a chance to talk to him this week about why he's choosing to run for the state's highest office and what his vision is for education and other topics. Here's our conversation. Well, Ed, thanks for taking the time to join us this week. Um, I wanted to start with the obvious question. Uh, You're a relative newcomer to all of this, so tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to run for governor. Kevin, I I have. I've only been involved in politics for about three years now. I first got involved by uh, some clients. I'm a financial planner by trade. Some clients of mine invited me to a Republican Party meeting, and I went, and I was thoroughly disappointed with the leadership that that I found in the Republican Party. And uh, I won't bore you with the stories, but that set uh, for this journey where I I worked very hard in the the Republican Party uh, to facilitate some more bold leadership. I won a series of uh, uh, party elections that put me as the Region 4 chairman, so I sit on the State Republican Party Executive Board. And, uh, and I had an uh, uh, involvement with a number of other citizen, private citizen-led uh, efforts that really solidified my understanding uh, around how career politicians are really destroying this country. And I believe the career politicians are ruining Idaho as well. And I think that we need that outside perspective in uh, to kind of disrupt the status quo that we've developed here in Idaho. And I stepped up and launched uh, the campaign officially on May 15th, the last year. And we've come a really long way. We've raised over $300,000 and uh, we have an incredible statewide organization. It's been been a pretty wild journey. But in short, to answer your question, Kevin, the, the, the thing I think that Uh, compels me to act more than just about anything else is we're right now at this crossroads in ideology as to how what what the character and the nature of our nation is going to be moving forward and there are two mutually exclusive ideas one of them being this idea that subject matter experts are more qualified to make decisions than uh, than us, you know, everyday Idahoans are. So the government believes subject matter experts should make decisions for us. And then the other idea is we make decisions for ourselves and we deal with the consequences of our decisions, be it good or bad. Uh, one is called central planning, which is uh, typical of any of your socialist or collectivist kind of government ideas. And the other one's called freedom. And I'm deeply concerned that we are trading our freedom for a a false security. And I see that in many different areas, but this is why I wanted to run was to to really disrupt the paradigms that exist in politics today. But that has to lead to questions that you get from voters, I'm sure, as you travel the state. You're running against somebody who's well, the incumbent governor has been in office for four years and he's been in state government in a lot of capacities for a lot of years. Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeehan, she was in the legislature for 10 years before she became a lieutenant governor. How do you make the case that Idaho is better served by somebody with, with no political experience? Well, if we're going to go off of political qualifications, uh, then I think we we need to then just admit that 
Joe Biden is the greatest president in American history. I mean, who else was in D.C. for 50 years and uh, who served in the U.S. Senate and was vice president, met with foreign dignitaries and the like. But it's very clear even to uh, members of the opposing party, members of the Democrat Party, his leadership is is completely pathetic and it's destroying our country very quickly and there's some very real manifestations of that kind of poor leadership it in total stark contrast to that i like to give the example when ronald reagan ran for governor of california in 1966 uh, they they smeared reagan relentlessly and attacked him so he's just an actor uh he can't possibly be the governor of this state and Reagan did, uh, undertook some really bold measures. Uh, he leveraged the line item veto almost a thousand times in his eight years as governor of that state. And he really uh, created a legacy that lasts to this day. But he was uh, the, the very essence of an outsider, I think, of President Trump. President Trump, similar kind of leadership, really that type of outsider. And I believe there's a movement in America where more people want to see that kind of uh, 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 those bold visions that people can rally around and we need to leave the personalities out of it, leave the political operatives and the political careers out of it. Let's just focus on ideas. And I think my candidacy represents that. Okay. I want to get to ideas, but let's get down to the brass tacks of this uh, first. Uh, if you were elected governor, how would you approach the job? I mean, what would your approach to decision-making be? Uh, what would your approach to putting a team together? How would you do all of that? That's a great question, Kevin. So the first thing I would say, I'm a finance man. Uh, I have a master's in finance, a graduate certificate in financial analysis, a financial planner by trade. And I, I always tell people as they travel the state, if you wanna to get to the truth in politics, then follow the money, because that will quickly give you the whole picture. I think it'd be very powerful uh, to have a governor who sat down in the Capitol at the governor's desk on day one and asked for every budget, for every state agency in this government, uh, uh, put it on the desk. Let's go through this line by line and bring in a box of red pens where are we allocating resources that we probably ought not to? And, and where are, do we need to shore things up? And where do we need to return money back to the people? Those are our vital questions. And nothing happens in government without a funding mechanism to enable it. Uh, but all, all these people in government, they don't do it for free. There's a, there's a paycheck involved. And when you change the way you fund things, you change the very thing itself. And, and there's a lot of arguments in education right now and it all has to uh, deal with uh, federal funding and Title IX and the like, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, that's clear. And I wanna bring that kind of perspective uh, in, in, into state government. So, so many funding questions I can ask you about education and, and I do wanna ask, but you yeah. wanted to talk about ideas. So what is your biggest idea in terms of education? I mean, what would your what would your priority be on education if you were elected? School choice, uh, hands down, no questions asked. I believe Idaho families should have more, a, a much greater selection of educational options. And I think wherever they put their kids in school, their tax dollars, the money should follow those kids to the school of their choice. And this is how we facilitate uh, more of the free exchange of ideas. 
I think this would strengthen the scientific uh, process and that pursuit of, of truth. I think it would answer a lot of the social questions that you can ask me. When we have families make decisions for the members of their own family, they're the ones who are most incentivized to find a solution to their problems. Uh, let's empower them to do so. And I believe school choice does that in an incredible way. But you won't have something that uh, dramatic of a change unless you have a governor who will champion school choice. Uh, the governor appoints seven out of eight members of the State Board of Education. Uh, not only does the governor have veto power, but also line item veto power. And those are all incredible tools. The last one I'll mention, the governor oversees the Division of Financial Management, which crafts the budget recommendations for every agency in the state government. So using those tools, I believe that we can facilitate school choice in Idaho. And I think we owe that to Idaho families. What do you think has gotten in the way of school choice in the state house? And I'm thinking about the House Education Committee's vote on the uh, on the tuition bill earlier this this session. Why do you think this has been such a, a hurdle in the state house? Well, I don't want to speak uh, for any le uh, particular legislators' interests or their uh, reason for doing something. I think uh, that's best uh, left for them to explain. But what I will say is education has become its own industrial complex i would say uh, it, you know when eisenhower left office one of his parting messages to the american people which is incredible coming from a military man he, he said hey beware of the military industrial complex which what he described as these very powerful organizations that were able to sway our elected officials uh, to uh, to move uh, towards their own ends that help them rather than what was best for the people. But today, Kevin, there not only exists a military industrial complex, there exists uh, a medical industrial complex and an educational industrial complex. Somehow these groups uh, have convinced all of us that we have to have a one-size-fits-all institutionalized education model and that every child has to go through the exact same process they have to ask the same exact questions provide the same exact answers and have the same career path and i reject that entirely I, I believe in real diversity, which is uh, diversity in worldview, diversity in approach. And I think the reason that school choice has been fought so hard here in Idaho is because you have organizations like the Idaho Education Association, uh, which benefits by a one-size-fits-all system wherein state code uh, forces school districts to negotiate with their organization. Um, and I, I will say when it comes to curriculum providers and the like, um, they, many of those institutions love a one-size-fits-all model. Uh, my, uh, my approach is very innovative. It's quite disruptive to that kind of crony capitalism. And so they will fight it to the bitter end. And if we're going to be totally candid right now, Kevin, and I don't mean to get nasty, but uh, you asked me a serious question. I want to give you a serious answer. Uh, I find it interesting, our current governor in the last Republican primary, one of his biggest financial contributor via a PAC that was formed was the Idaho Education Association. And when I look at uh, his state of the state address, essentially uh, his entire approach to education is more of the same. But how's that working for us? It's, it's not. We need school choice. 
So what has been your your view of this legislative session in terms of education? And, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, we've seen money going into teacher pay raises, uh, barring some change here in the last few days of the session, uh, teacher bonuses, uh, teacher employee benefits, insurance benefits. What's been your what's your take on all of that? I think that we're seeing some incremental positive change in some areas, but overall, uh, I don't think it's bold enough. I don't think it's revolutionary enough to what I believe families in Idaho deserve. And that's the question of this election is, is are, are the ideas that I'm bringing forward, are these the ideas families in Idaho want? Uh, of course, I've met with thousands of Idahoans across the state. I feel very, very strongly, and the, the benefit also, Kevin, well, very young family. This is not a topic that is something we study. Uh, you know, I have a four-year-old son. We have a, a, an eight-month-year-old daughter. What's going to be the course of their education is a very important discussion in, in our home, just as I understand it is for, for many families. Overall, I would say uh, you have a lot of legislators that are doing the best they can uh, working inside of the, a broken system. And the teacher pay uh, uh, question is is one I think that is most prevalent to consider. I, I, would, I would posit that teachers would make more money under a school choice model than they ever did with the institutionalized one size fits all model. And I'll give you an example. Uh, if we had if we had a program, maybe a, a, a lending program for teachers to go buy their own little schoolhouse, whatever that may look like. And we had whether it was vouchers or education savings account. I don't even need to get into the weeds on those two issues. The spirit of what I would like to see is money follow the student. So however we facilitate that, whatever vehicle we use, I'm, I'm open to different ideas. But let's just say, and this is, please don't, don't run to the presses with this example, but let's say they had a, a $5,000 voucher for simplicity of math. Uh, you know, if you had a teacher that took in 20 students, that's $100,000 to, that, uh, to that teacher in which that teacher could pay uh, the cost of the loan for the building, could pick uh, their own benefits package, retirement plan, and still have significant money, $65,000, left over for, for their own pay. And the reality is the voucher would probably be much more than that. But I think that's really powerful to reward entrepreneurial teachers in that way and also allow them to explore the ideas and the curriculum that they're passionate about so they can bring that passion into the schoolroom. So as not just as a gubernatorial candidate, but as a father of, of young kids, uh, what's your view on the literacy debate and the debate over optional all-day all kindergarten? I think school choice answers it best. If you want certain programs available to your children, then you pick the school that best meets your family's needs. But I, you know, the other thing that concerns me, and I'm surprised that history hasn't reminded us of this, but there are a lot of really incredible individuals throughout history that learned differently than other folks, that learned at different rates than other folks, and they weren't maybe up to, up to par in a number of different subject areas like their peers were. 
And I, I, I find it sad that we're always saying, oh, everybody has to be like this by this age. And everybody has to be like this at this age. I think we're creating a, a generation of conformists. Uh, for, for me personally, right, we're a family. We, we read to, to our kids every night. We go through the alphabet. We count. Um, and so our son, he's, he's obviously doing, doing quite well. There are other kids that come from other families. They don't have the same home life uh, our children do. And, and I understand that. And that is, uh, that is always heartbreaking when you see it. Uh, even there, I would, I would emphasize that literacy and these metrics where we must read, all these kids must, must reach a certain point um, at the same age. I, I think that that's a flawed model. And I know of uh, charter schools in, in this state where they have, where students are able to accelerate and move up in different subject areas to different grade levels and stay at a different uh, grade level for other subject areas they're not as strong in. And I'm not saying that's the model I would even put my, my kids through, but it's interesting at, at the very least, and they're having some positive results with that kind of teaching model. Uh, but par parents certainly could answer those questions if they want their kids to go to a full day kindergarten or not. And I wanna, I wanna take the, the subject matter experts out of the equation because nobody's asking if the experts have a hidden agenda. And I think too often they do. Let me ask about the other end of the education spectrum, higher education. What would your approach be towards uh, the state's higher ed system? Oh, Kevin, now we're getting contentious. <laughs> no, <laughs> you would inherit it if you're elected. You had a, a higher ed system. What, what would your approach be? Well, I, I have my approach with higher education is, again, focusing that we need to have a diverse and robust labor force right now. The complete and total emphasis is that every everybody's got to go to college. Every kid's got to go to college. But I'm not I'm not so sure, Kevin, that that approach is working out well for us. And I would I would ask this question: Who's going to build the homes when there's a housing shortage? Who's going to build the roads when you're stuck on Eagle Road like it's a parking lot? Is it going to be all those uh, all the great folks that got a bachelor's degree from BSU? Uh, I have my doubts, and I'm sure you do as well. At some point, we need to allow these kids to explore different interests and embrace those pursuits. And it's like the old adage, we, we have this complete emphasis. We want, we want the ducks to climb trees, and we want the squirrels to swim and to fly. Uh, people have different skill sets and different interests. I want to see much more vocational training. I want to see students empowered to explore subject areas that they're passionate and excited about. So what and we're doing I, in career technical now, you don't feel like we're doing enough? Absolutely not. No, I think I think that Idaho's economy at, uh, highlights that in particular. We have a housing price crisis in this state. There's a total and complete shortage of homes. You look at labor force participation, 10 years ago, Kevin, we had a 72% labor force participation, which means it, it's just the question of everyone over the age of 16, how many of them are gainfully employed in one area or another? That number, that metric is down from 72% to 62% because we have so many of these students, they're now taking five and six years to get a bachelor's degree. So no, I don't believe we have nearly enough vocational training what would you be looking for in a state board of education member? 
I'm, I'm looking for somebody that wants to empower individuals to reach for the height of their own personal potential instead of somebody who wants to define what other people's potential is. I think that that is the greatest travesty. I think education should be that pursuit in which you uncover more about yourself and, and, and you become self-aware and you're curious and you, about the world around you and you discover things in which it gives you it gives you passion and all, all overall ultimately that pursuit should be one in which people learn ways that they can create value for themselves their family and their community and so that should be the emphasis we want people to grow up to be uh, uh, responsible citizens who honor their civic duty and who create value in their communities and diverse value not just everybody has to go and get a bachelor's degree and work in an office kind of value i want to see something much more robust and diverse than that and where do you find these board members do you look in the business community do you look in the education community do you look do you look across the spectrum for potential board members if if we're going to talk about real diversity and i'm talking real diversity not this this sellout corporate diversity that's being marketed to us today then we should have people from a diverse uh, uh, set of backgrounds and worldviews and approaches. Wouldn't that be powerful? But I, I think it's it's very interesting and exciting when you get somebody from the education community, someone from the finance community, someone from the agriculture community. Go down the list. Why don't we have a board that's representative of some of the different segments of our population uh, that uh, are important to the character and, and nature of this state. So I don't know necessarily that I, that I have a, a list of qualifications that I could rattle off to you off the top of my head, Kevin, but overall what I wanna see, I wanna see that healthy debate. I wanna see a competition of ideas, both on the State Board of Education and amongst the schools in the state of Idaho. Just a last kind of question here. Um, so much of this election, I think, is going to be uh, a referendum on the events of the past two years, uh, on the pandemic, on the response to the pandemic. And I wanted to ask you not as much to critique the response, but maybe to look at what you have seen these past couple of years that informs your approach to governing. I mean, what have we learned along the way that would change the way you would approach being a governor? This is such an important question because I think this speaks to what we were discussing earlier, which is the cause for all this dissension and contention in society today. And it's these two mutually exclusive ideas that those two ideas can't exist. Either experts will make decisions for us or we will make decisions for ourselves. You can't have both. It's either one or the other. Either you have a government that is centrally planned and controlled, or you have freedom and individual liberties. My plan would not have taken experts and essentially asked them, hey, go through these different businesses and say which ones are essential and which ones are not essential. Uh, I would have left it up. And again, here we saw this was the big problem uh, amongst the school districts and, and the schools and the like. Uh, what if we had schools that had more ability uh, to navigate it in, in the way they see fit? And you have a, a, a collection of different ideas of how to navigate the pandemic. And then we can study those approaches and share real data and learn from it. 
So you uh, feel like the local right? local control approach to the pandemic in schools, it didn't go far enough? Absolutely not, because there's not really local control. I know we like to talk, we like to use that word, and I look, I love local control, and there is a measure of that. I'm not saying that it's all centrally planned, but overall, uh, no, it, it doesn't go far enough because the one size fits all model. It's a very large model that covers a large student body. Uh, it, what I'm talking about is a model that is more customized and innovative uh, and allows people to select what works best for them. And it really answers every question you could throw at me. The question of who can use what bathrooms? Uh, should, they, uh, should we mandate vaccines? Should we mandate masks and the like? School choice answers all of those questions, Kevin. Leave it up to the parents. Don't have, don't have bureaucrats figure this out. They're only going to mess it up. Well, Ed, you, you covered the ground I wanted to ask you about. I appreciate you making the time uh, to join us this week. Thanks again. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. Look forward to being on again. Again, that was Ed Humphreys, a Republican from Eagle and a Republican candidate for governor. I should point out that we've invited incumbent Governor Brad Little and Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeehan to appear on the podcast. We've not set up those interviews yet, but when we have them, you can hear them here. It's obviously been a big week for us here at Idaho Education News as the 2022 legislative session nears its conclusion. As I sit here on Friday, March 25th, it's not clear whether the session will actually adjourn today or adjourn sometime next week. But we have seen a lot of movement this week on education topics. We've seen movement on the K-12 budgets. We've seen movements on bonuses for K-12 employees. We've seen movement on the higher education budget. And yes, we have seen movement finally on the all-day kindergarten bill. Blake Jones and I have had daily coverage at the State House. If you've missed a day, you've missed a lot of developments over at the State House, so catch up at idahoednews.org. And we have more for you at the homepage. Sammy Edge is back with us, uh, at least on a short-term basis. She has a really powerful series uh, that she wrote for us this week on Title IX and how school districts across the state are complying with Title IX. I have a piece taking a closer look at the state superintendent's race, the Republican primary, and how that might play out. You can see that story at idahoednews.org. Follow us on Twitter at Idaho Ed News. We tweet out links to our latest stories, bulletins on breaking news. You can join us on Facebook and comment on our stories there. And check back here next Friday for another podcast. Until then, I'm Kevin Richard. Have a good week. Hey.